Hello and welcome back to the ACSE podcast. My name is Charlie. Thank you very much for everyone listening to the second episode, which come out on Friday. This is the special episode we've been building up for quite a while, and this is going to be our team of the seasons currently on the season, which still hasn't finished, but we've done our opinions. We've both done separate teams, uh, but we have collaborated towards the end just to agree on some honourable mentions who didn't make it into my team or didn't make it into a deals team. Uh, so we'll go straight into it, and I'll start with my goalkeeper, who is Dean Henderson from Sheffield United this season. I picked Dean due to the fact he's got 10 clean sheets this season. Only Nick Pope has got more from Burnley. He's had 27 apps this season, and he's effectively helped Sheffield United to 7th in the league. They're currently two points off European football, and only Liverpool conceded less goals this season. 25 goals compared to 21. I just think watching him this season, some of the saves he has made has been incredible, and I think if he carries this on, he can easily push for a top spot when he goes back to Man United. Hello, guys. Yeah, it's Adil again. Um, yeah, again, many thanks for the viewing on the second episode. So, yeah, just to clarify as well, on this team of the season, we have actually agreed on a 4-2-3-1 with two kind of like sitting players, a number 10 and a wide player. With my goalkeeper, initially, I have actually gone with Dean Henderson as well. I think he's got the second, like you were saying, the second most clean sheets this season with 10. Only, well, with Alisson, joint with Alisson. Uh, what's interesting about Dean Henderson is if you look at Sheffield United um, at the beginning of the season, their expected goals and actual goals conceded, they're by far top and by a long distance. And it's not all because of him. Of course it's not. I mean, their back line has been brilliant. But for him to come in online for Manchester United, I think he's, 20, yeah, he's 22 or 23. I mean, he's young. He's still got many years, especially as a goalkeeper ahead of him. I think if you look at some of the, say, some of the games that he's kept Sheffield United in it, I think we saw... Even the Liverpool game where, where he made the actual mistake and we won 1-0, he was brilliant in that game. But obviously, you know, Todd's law, what happened? And, he, you know, why now don't shot, slip through his fingers and he went in. I do see him as England's number one for the long term, definitely. And he definitely can run De Gea for the number one spot at Manchester United. So I do agree with you. And I'll go with Henderson as my... OK, so on to my right back. I have Trent Alexander-Arnold this season. I think it's pretty much... This was probably, for me, the hardest position I've had to choose because obviously got quite a few players. But I've gone for Arnold. 29 appearances this season. 12 assists. Only Kevin De Bruyne has more. Uh, 67% tackle success rate this season and 10 clean sheets. I just think Arnold has revolutionised the way the fullback role looks at. For me, growing up playing football, fullback was seen as a position that was... If you were one of the worst players, you were given that. Now I can see kids growing up, they want to become a fullback. And I think that is partly down to players like Arnold and Robertson this season. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, if you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's, um, again, from my point of view, he's my right back. I think last season I would have said the same thing. I think he last season set a record for a defender of 12 assists last season. And this season he's hit 12 already with still uh, projected nine games to play. Um, he is on course if those games do obviously finish to break his own record. And you're absolutely spot on. He has revolutionised the the defending full-back positions. You know, th- these right-backs and left-backs are not just defenders anymore. There are a lot more they, you know, they provide with the attack now. I think if you look at him as well, you know, 67, he's got the record high league, I mean, the record league high number, sorry, for accurate crosses, which is 67. And also, he has obviously the... Um, Second ch- most chances created after Kevin De Bruyne again. Um, and also, while no player has made more entries into the final third, which is 321. Again, like you said, yeah, him and Robbo have been absolutely vital for Liverpool's success. 
without them, I don't think we'll be even anywhere near as successful as we are. And he, for me, is a, it's a no-brainer. We've got, obviously, other players that we'll talk about later. I completely agree with what you're saying there. So, on to my first centre-back. We have Virgil van Dijk this season. Uh, 29 appearances, 12 clean sheets. I only made 22 tackles, which I found quite an amazing stat. But to me, that sums up how good of a player he really is at the back line for them. 159 recoveries, 135 clearances, 143 aerial duels won, and only 21 goals conceded this season. He scored four goals uh, this season as well from all headers. And I think that also shows the aerial threat he's bringing at set pieces. He's such a dominant force in the air. You could easily say he probably hasn't had as good as season, but you cannot have him in now. I think for you guys, he is the most vital key at the back line. Yeah, again, I'm going to go with him as well as one of my uh, centre-backs. Again, for me, yeah, I probably could agree with you. Probably hasn't been as good, but then again, Last season, he, he's obviously came second in the Ballon d'Or. You know, he's done stuff that no defender has done before. So he's almost set the bar high himself. So he's, he never can actually get almost a victim of his own success, if that makes sense. Um, he's had no injury this season. His back of the season, looked like like I said, he's come back second in the Ballon d'Or. And virtually, real, no real drop in the form. For me, he's the best centre-back in the world. He is, like you said, with the four headers in the league. He's the highest scoring defender in the league as well. So four goals is more than any defender in the league. He's played every single minute, and vitally as well, actually. No one's made more passes than Virgil van Dijk. He's got 2,210 passes, and that ranks more than, I think it's more than about four or 500 more than whoever's came second. So he's, he's an established world's best centre-back for me. Um, not just because I'm a Liverpool fan. I think a lot can agree with you, as well as, as, well as you, Charles. You can agree with that. Um, and again, he slots into that role quite easily. And actually, captains this little team of mine as well. Brilliant. Uh, so on to my next centre-back, we have Sonyuchu from Leicester. I think this season he's definitely crept up and he's ranked so high and you can see him linked to a few clubs like City, etc. Now, uh, 28 appearances this season, 10 clean sheets, 49 tackles, 159 recoveries, 128 clearances and 86 duels won. Only the one goal for himself this season, but Leicester have only conceded 28 goals and they've got the third best defence in the league. And I think that is... A big part of it down to Sonyuchu's impact he's having this season for them. Yeah, again, it's, it's funny. I've actually gone with him as well, um, which is, for me, again, it wasn't the most easiest decision. I think there's honourable mentions. But like I say, he is, for me, you know, he was brought in for 19 million in the summer 18. So he had a year before he actually came into the, the first team fog. Um, he filled the void for Harry Maguire, who left for Manchester United. Um, and to be honest, since he's gone, Maguire... I'll be, I actually, to be honest with you, I think Leicester actually probably look more of a better passing team. The way he plays out from the back, which is different. I mean, Harry Maguire does it as well, but he's more of a, you know, your solid, not, I wouldn't say modern, modern defender. So Yunchu probably is, plays from the back. He's got an outstanding pass success rate. He's come into that position along with Johnny Evans. And I think they look like a, a, a pairing that is, well, one of the best in the league. And I think after Liverpool... And Sheffield United, they are actually well, the best defensive record in the league, which, uh, which again, you're right, is, is down to him a little bit as well, of course. So he does go into my team and he slots next to Virgil van Dijk. Brilliant, completely agree with what you're saying there. So on to my left back, we have Andrew Robertson. 28 appearances this season, 9 clean sheets, 47 tackles, 97 duels won, 7 assists, provided 148 crosses and 1 goal. Like we've been discussing with Alexander-Arnold, he's been so clinical 
to Liverpool's success on each flank. They provide so much support. And for teams, it must be so hard to deal with two players that can defend just as well as attack. You have to pretty much have two people covering them at all times. Yeah, for me, again, I've gone I've gone with uh, Andrew Robertson as well. He's, yeah, like you said, the seven assists in the league, which is the second highest for a defender. And he's only second for a defender to obviously his colleague, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's got 12. Only one of three defenders in the top 20 of assists. And I think the only other one is Lucas Dinier at Everton, who comes in at 19 or 18th. So for me, it's a no-brainer, really. I think um, there has been other good left-backs. But to me, again, if you look at the way, yeah, like you were saying, they're vital to what Liverpool do. He, he seems like a man who just is crazy and doesn't stop running. You know, full of energy, you know, is an absolute pain for attackers in the way he presses down. And then his attacking crosses, you know, personally, I think he's got a really good cross. Maybe it's not as good as Trent's, um, but like I say, you know, he's still got seven assists. So he must be doing something right. And he does feel the left back for me and complete our back line with our goal. Brilliant. So we're on to the midfield now in my sort of deep line player role. Sitting rather deep protecting the back line is Wilfred and Didi from Leicester. 23 appearances this season, 8 clean sheets, 91 tackles, 61 interceptions and 194 recoveries. I think he's been so key to Leicester's success and since they sold N'Golo Kante to Chelsea, he's literally filled in that slot. They brought him to replace it and I think arguably he's more of a key player for them because he actually brings a bit of attacking presence with them. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't actually aware of that. That's an interesting one, actually. Um, I didn't actually go for Wilfred Ndidi. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a player that's obviously been linked with Liverpool as well as Arsenal and many other big clubs in the Premier League. He's someone that's come leaps and bounds and taken over that Kante role quite well. Um, but for me, I've gone with um, my kind of deep-lying little bit kind of player is Jordan Henderson, uh, an outstanding leader who... A lot of people, even myself, I'll have to admit, over the years, I haven't really maybe appreciated what he brings. And he has come on leaps and bounds. He's he's a captain of Liverpool. He's He's got nine goals and assists in 22 appearances. Now, that's um, important in more than any he's ever got in any season. The heartbeat of the team, which he rightly is. And he is the man where we probably don't see him, maybe in the, in the changing rooms. He's the guy with the determination. He's the guy that keeps the hunger. He's the guy that keeps away the talk of, right, right, we're going to win the league when it's inevitable. He keeps that down, makes the players determined. Determine. Another interesting thing with him, with him in the team, there's a win percentage of 82%. Without him, it drops to a huge 58%. So, you know, we've lost more this season without him than with him. That's, that's interesting as well. More games that we play without him, we've actually lost than him being in the team, and he's played most of the games. Average goal conceded with him in is 0.7%. And without him, it's 1.8%. So, you know, it just shows that for me, he's been vital and has a chance of potentially even picking up the uh, player of the year award end of the year. So he goes into my... He was definitely one of the choices I was debating with and I can't argue with the impact. I think John Henderson's one of them players gets a lot of criticism and doesn't really get the respect on his name that he does deserve. The amount of impact he is bringing to Liverpool is huge. Uh, so my next player in centre midfield is more of the box-to-box player, is Kevin De Bruyne this season. Eight goals, 16 assists, which is the most in the league. 23 big chances created, 244 crosses and 108 recoveries, which to me sort of shows he can do that tracking bit, which you don't really get to see a lot of De Bruyne. Uh, he's 100% back to the best this season. The problem with him he's had was a very 
injury hit last season. Um, we didn't really get to see what he could do. But this season, he is showing why he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Kevin De Bruyne as well as the um, the other in the two, maybe like a, like a number eight position. He is, in my opinion, the best midfielder in the world right now. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's in question, personally. He's got 16 assists this season, which is the most four ahead of Trent. Uh, he's got the most chances created, which is 96, 96, sorry, which is again the top. Eight goals, two, so that's 24 goals and assists in the league alone. Um, for me, if it wasn't for you know, you know, the outstanding season that Liverpool have had with you know Mane and Salah and Van Dijk, and you know, there's so many ahead you can say, he probably would have walked the Player of the Year. Now he's got a bit of a competition, but yeah, it's that's probably one of the easiest choices in this team, and um, yeah, he sits next to Henderson. As my two. So I agree with you on that one. And he's in there. Brilliant. So onto the right midfield. I have Mohamed Salah this season. This was probably one of the other tough choices. There's a few players I could have gone for. But he's got 26 appearances this season. 16 goals. Which I believe is the third highest top score in the league. Six assists. And nine clean sheets. It's like I say a bit with Van Dijk. It's been a downfall to his success. He had that amazing season. And obviously... People haven't seen that this year, but you cannot argue with the impact he's had in the Liverpool team. Yeah, again, I think Mo Salah is a player, even amongst the Liverpool fan base, is probably not as appreciated as he should be. Um, like you say, you know, again, a victim of his own success, a bit like Van Dijk. You know, he's got 22 goals in the sister season, as you were saying. Now, that's only two off um, Kevin De Bruyne, who's got 24 and one off Jamie Vardy, who's got 23 goals and assists. So he's sitting third. He's actually got more than Sadio Mane. One more. Mane's got 21. Um, and, and Sadio Mane, for some people, is, is their player of the year. And he actually is my player of the year, which we'll touch on at the end. But, but for me, Mo Salah, criminally underrated. He's got back-to-back golden boots in the Premier League. Obviously, last year, he obviously tied it with Aubameyang and, and Sadio Mane. But, you know, the year before, he walked it. And again, this year, he's, he's only, what is it, three off Jamie Vardy. So there's a potential of him, you know, doing winning that again. Um, but yeah, Mo Salah easily slots into the right midfield. Um, for- Brilliant. I can't argue with any of the things you're saying there. So onto my cam roll is Jack Grealish this season. 26 appearances, seven goals and six assists. 99 crosses and he's got an 85% pass accuracy this season. And he averages about 40 passes a game. I think Grealish has stepped up massively to the plate this season and has shown, example, with Aston Villa, I do not think they'll, they would be in the relegation zone without Jack Grealish this season. He's proved for so many years people have linked with his name and he's now finally starting to show that potential weapon on the season. And I think he's a definite starter in the England side to come in now. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, as the number 10, I've gone with um, Jack Grealish as well. He's got 13 goals and assists in the league. Only Trent has more, and he's got 14. So, and, and I'm sorry, only Trent has more 14 for an English player, I must stress. Now, that's more than James Madison and obviously Mason Mount, who, get, who he gets compared to a lot. Um, without him, Villa would be gone, I think. Um, not even just, I think they'd be completely already relegated. He's a captain of Villa at, at 24. Yes, he's had his, um, you know, in the, in the spotlight, he's kind of come under criticism of, you know, his maybe party life and how he's off the pitch. But on the pitch, you cannot you you cannot argue with his determination, his grit, and his love for Villa. And you know, even the way I, when I watch him play, for me, he's a player I'd actually have at Liverpool um, ahead of Madison and ahead of Mount. 
um, and he brings so much. And if you just see how much of an impact he has on the game, he's almost like vital to how KDB is to uh, Man City. He has that same impact for Villa, maybe more. Um, so for me, yeah, he's he's in my number ten role. Um, and yeah, I agree. And also, you can see he's been linked with quite a few big clubs, notably Manchester United now this season. I think that's a bit of recognition he's deserved for the season he's had this year. So on to my left midfielder, we've got. Sadio Mane from Liverpool, 24 appearances this season, 14 goals and 8 assists, 32 passes per game and 33 crosses. He's been a key player for Liverpool this season. I'd say in a way like you're talking about with Salah, he's underrated as such this season. I think Mane's stepped up to the plate where people have missed that light and he's become arguably the key man at Liverpool this season. Yeah, again, um, you know, for me, he's the um, he goes in my left midfield position. Uh, quite an easy one for that role, actually. Like you said, 21 goals and assist, which is, um, for, for assist-wise, is more than any attackers, actually, in the league. He's he probably, for me, if you look at it for this season, it's questionable with Van Dijk, but he is the best player in the best team. Now, Liverpool are the top of the league, and he's probably the best player. So, for me, it's an easy one. You know, if you look at his, um, his decision-making, this is unbelievable. He's got a brilliant first touch. You know, his decisive intervention as well. There are also quite high-profile example. For example, if you look at the last two Champions League finals, you know, he scored in both of them. Sorry, no, he scored in the one against Real Madrid and then he won the penalty against Spurs last season. So he's had a, a massive impact in those. He's a big game player. There's also been um, this season where, you know, we had the game against away to Norwich where he came off the bench and scored the winner. Um, against Aston Villa, I remember in December as well, Liverpool 1-0 down in the 87th minute. He scored the the goal to came from the corner and scored the header, and then set up the the cross for Andy Robertson to nick the winner. And that was a massive turning point because if we actually lost that game and City won their game, I believe the gap would have gone down to three points, or it might even have been level on points. But nonetheless, we actually won, and I think City dropped points, and that opened the gap to like nine, eight, nine points. Again, so those little moments, you know, he's a very big game player and he steps up when needed. Um, so for me, he's a, an absolute world-class winger at the moment. Brilliant. So on to my striker. I have gone with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this season. The only player I can see making it potentially for Arsenal this year. He's had 26 appearances, 17 goals, one assist, 72 crosses, and he's got 73% pass accuracy. He's scored 58% of goals for Arsenal this season. And to me, that just shows how much of the player he's been. And I think I saw a stat somewhere that without him this season, we would be 17th, I think, in the league. And he's sort of saved us massively this season from calamity. And I think it sort of shows there's the rumours of him not wanting to sign a contract now. And I can understand why, because a player should not be relied upon as much as Aubameyang has been. He deserves to have players around him who can bring success. So... It's a whole number of talking point you could go on there. But for me, there isn't a better striker at the moment on his day in the league. Um, interesting one. Um, I haven't gone with um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, personally, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It was down to him and actually one other player uh, who I'll just get to who is my number my number nine and the striker of my team. Aubameyang's, like you said, fantastic season. Pivotal to what Arsenal do. And without him, yes, you would be very, very... Well, 17th. Did you say was 17th? I believe it would be 17th in the league, yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, apart from that, you know, you still have actually an outside chance of making Champions League. So, yeah, he's got a massive impact. 
yet he he's had a fantastic season and if if, if you end up losing him and um, which there has been reports it would be a, a big blow to Arsenal because I don't think you can actually replace him for like for like I don't think you've got that power at the moment for me my striker is Jamie Vardy um I'll be honest with you his style of football his style of the way he is not something that I'd usually like in a striker you know Aubameyang Sergio Aguero you know these are the kind of strikers that you know more of a you know, campaign number 10. They're the kind of players I, I prefer as a striker. But he's got 19 goals in the league. He's a top scorer in the league. He's obviously got two more than Aubameyang, um, which is one of the reasons actually I've just gone tipped um, Vardy over Aubameyang. He is obviously Leicester's defence has been the third best, but he's also one of the main reasons why they're surprisingly, you'd say, sit third. I mean, if you look at who they're above Manchester United, they're above Chelsea, they're above Tottenham, they're above Arsenal. Leicester are above all of those. And actually right now, you'd say have a good chance, and I, I personally think they're going to make the top four um, and play potentially Champions League football next season. So for me, Vardy, who's actually only second to Kevin De Bruyne for goals and assists, he's got 24, he's got 23. Vardy, the, the thing that kind of just tipped me to go for Vardy over Aubameyang is I had a look, he's got more goals than Aubameyang this season in the league, he's got more assists than Aubameyang in the league, and he's got a higher conversion rate of 35%. And Aubameyang's obviously got 26%. It was a tough one. Look, I'll be honest with you. If you tell me who I actually prefer, as a player, I'd pick Aubameyang. But um, we're going off who we think is the team of the season. And for me, um, Jamie Vardy takes my striker position and concludes my team. And I think we're going to go on to our manager. Yeah, so my manager of the season is Chris Wilder from Sheffield United. I think Chris Wilder does not get the respect he deserves. I think if he was someone who was a foreign manager, I think he'll be linked up there and raved about. I think it's because he comes from Sheffield, he's a homegrown lad from there. People don't see the success he's brought them. This, this season, they're two points off European football. For a club like Sheffield, he's got on playing probably not the most attractive football, but it works. You cannot argue with the success they have, and that's to me is why he is my manager of the year. Yeah, to be honest with you, it, again, it came down to two for me. Chris Wilder, and uh, who I've gone for in the end, is actually Jurgen Klopp. Now, I'll just touch on Chris Wilder as well, like you just said. Um, for me, he, he's an absolutely brilliant manager. I have so much admiration for him, and if you look, watch, listen to his um, press conferences, He's a man that says it as it is. He's got full of um, admiration for other clubs. You know, if, if a team beats Sheffield United, he'll come out and say, you know what, brilliant. They were brilliant. They played us a spark. You know, when we went to, when Sheffield United came to Anfield, and I think we won, was it 3-0? I think we might have won. I'm not exactly sure, actually. So I'm not. I think so, yeah. Don't keep me on that. But I'm not 100% sure what the score was. But he said after a game, Liverpool played us a spark. And not many managers do that. So he just says it as it is. And for me, he would have been the manager of the year. But unfortunately for him, there's Jurgen Klopp. Now, yes, Jurgen Klopp has got a Liverpool team who are now absolutely reaving back of the Champions League. But last year, they came second to Man City and they finished on 97 points. And that team, due to Klopp, didn't, a lot of teams, after finishing 97 points, the next season potentially would have crumbled. Getting that close and not winning it, it's like, you know, so many teams would have maybe dropped off. Jurgen Klopp's the main reason, as well as I'd say Jordan Henderson in the team, who's kept the hunger in the team. We've played 29 league games. With one twenty-seven, drawn one, lost one. Now many people, Manchester City have won back-to-back Premier Leagues. Now they Liverpool are twenty-five points clear of them at this stage. I know they've got a game in hand, but twenty-five points clear of a team who many, including me, when City were won last year and the year before, I said 
you know what? They're going to dominate English football for the five, next five, ten years, potentially. They're going to win the, out of the next five, six titles. They'll probably win four, maybe five. And, you know, especially with Guardiola under the helm. Klopp, you know, has competed with him at the top level. And, you know, to be 25 points clear of them is it, absolutely remarkable. And I've never seen a season like this. Um, and that's why, unfortunately for Chris Wilder, who, if it wasn't for Jürgen Klopp, it would have been an easy choice for me. But for me, it's, it's Jürgen Klopp, definitely for me. He was my other choice with Jürgen Klopp. And I can't argue with the fact that what you're saying there is he's probably the main influential person within your squad. And there's, it's no doubt not to see that. So we'll now go on to honourable mentions. Uh, these are players that we've both agreed upon who we got very close to getting in our sides and they've had fantastic seasons respectively, but just didn't make it. So I'm going to start with a goalkeeper who was Nick Pope from Burnley. He's got the most clean sheets this season, which probably a lot of people haven't really suspected. And I think he's been crucial to some of the success they're having and it shows why he's so close to the England side all the time. Yeah, Nick Pope, again, a, a top keeper. And I think you're right. He's not actually had the limelight on him. I think it's tough for him because you've got Dean Henderson, who's had an amazing season and who we've gone for who's obviously English as well. You've got Jordan Pickford, um, and obviously you've got Nick Pope. So he's almost like a third choice for England. And he's, and like you're saying, he's, he's got the most clean sheets this season and he's the kind of the dark horse in all of this. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's what we both agreed on, actually, Nick Pope. So he's obviously the honourable one. The other one we had a ch- uh, we had a little chat about was Alisson. You know, he's missed a lot of the season, so that's probably why we kind of left him out. But he kept 10 assists, I mean, sorry, 10 clean sheets this season, which is actually his second highest with Dean Henderson. But we went with Nick Pope as the honourable mention on that one. Um, as the honourable mention for our right back, was a tough one. It was between two. We went with um, we end, in the end went for Ricardo Pereira of Leicester City. Um, the other one was um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka at Manchester United, who has a phenomenal season. Um, but we've gone with Pereira, who's got only well five goals and assist, which is not bad for a right back. He's got three goals. Um, he's a right back who, for me, if you watch when Leicester play. He hardly ever has anything less than a 7 out of 10 performance, maybe 8 out of 10. You know, very vital. Him and Chilwell are very solid in what they do. He's got a 57% tackle success rate, um, 119 tackles, uh, which is 20 more than Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who, you know, people talk about Aaron Wan-Bissaka's tackling and, you know, he's brilliant at tackling, which he is, but he's got 99 uh, and Pereira's got 119, which is the most in the league, I must, must just say. Pereira as well, he's got a dribbling past more opponents per 90 minutes than any other Premier League defender this season. So, you know what, again, he, like I said, Trent was just so far ahead, so that was kind of the, the easy choice. But for us, Pereira was the one who, yeah, who's come a close second and got the honourable mention. 100%. Pereira's a player I've followed a long time, and I was so glad when he got that move to Leicester, because he's sort of got that chance to show in limelight the player he actually is within the Premier League, and he's doing that fantastically. Uh, so the next player we've got is our first centre-back, is Joe Gomez. I think, obviously, he, had, he was thriving and starting to make a great name for himself before that injury. And since he's come back, a lot of people are sort of, oh, I would say sort of shade away from him, sort of under the radar. But when you put him next to Van Dijk this season, he's that, I'd say, that player that can partner next to Van Dijk for the next few seasons. And it makes your defence so much stronger with him next to him. Yeah, exactly. In fact, like we both agreed on, he was one of the honourable mentions. I totally agree. I'll be honest with you, um, I nearly left Soyuncu out for Joe Gomez in that pairing. Um, again, when he's next to Van Dijk, if you watch a lot of Liverpool games this season, where Van Dijk's had a, an odd, bad performance, which is very odd and very off for him, Joe Gomez has stepped up. 
and he's kind of not carried Van Dyke. I wouldn't that's disrespectful to Van Dyke, but he's definitely matched him and he's definitely supported him. And as a pairing, you know what? They are absolutely ph- phenomenal. And yeah, before his injury, like you said, it was you know they were performing at such a high level. And then now, obviously, he's back into that fold. You know, we it's one of the reasons why we are so successful defensively this season. So, honourable for Joe Gomez. My other one that we both agreed on is Johnny Evans of uh, Leicester City. Um, again, a little bit underappreciated by many. He's obviously, I think he's almost, is he, what is he, 30, 31, maybe? Yeah, about 30, 31 now. So he's obviously. He's, yeah, I think he's on the wrong side yeah, of 30 so, now, you know, I think. But he's yeah. got the, as a centre-back, you know, they can go obviously a few more years. And he is bought in from West Brom for 3.6 million. You compare to this market now, and I know he's long wrong side of 30, but 3.6 million, which is, I know it was his release clause, but that is absolutely pennies. And for him, for for me, partnering Soyuncu, they're one of the best pairings in the league. Um, and obviously, Leicester, obviously, like we said earlier, third highest, best um, defensive record. Only Liverpool and Sheffield United have conceded less. Um, and yeah, for me, it, it was him and Soyuncu were phenomenal. And we've obviously gone with Johnny Evans and Joe Gomez as a an honourable mention. Really, there are others, um, unfortunately, but we've gone with we've gone with those two. Now on to the left back, and I think this was the hardest position that we had to sort of make our mind up because apart from Robertson, there's a few other players, but we've gone with Luca Digne from Everton, and I think it, it's a bit of a hard one. But like you said, I think there's a stat you said in there where he's only just behind a few of the players up there, and he's sort of a very underrated player for what he does for Everton. He does bring a lot, and you watch the games a bit like uh, Pereira, you said. He doesn't really ever have a bad game. I couldn't really recount many mistakes he's ever made. And he does bring a lot, obviously, coming from Barcelona to Everton was such a shock move for a lot of people. So I think he can only go places. And I think if he does get that next big move again, I think he's got a chance to shine. Uh, for me, Lucas Digne is the second best left back in the league. Um, and that's not to discredit Ben Chilwell or whoever else might be potentially in there. But Lucas Digne, again, you're right, a, a very consistent performer. If you look at his set pieces, he's really good on dead balls. He's a dead ball specialist. You know, free kicks, obviously him and Sigurdsson kind of um, both take the um, the helms of those two. But he, he scored, I think he scored a couple free kicks this season. Very, like, like I said, very consistent. A player that, yeah, it was a shock to come from Barcelona. I think he's only 25 or 26, so he has got his best years ahead of him. Um, and if Everton can keep hold of him, um, there is potential success in the future for them. Um, and yeah, the honourable mention for us, it, it's got to be Lucas Digne. Uh, on to the defensive midfielder. Um, again, we've gone with two honourable mentions again. My one, um, but we, we've both agreed on both of them anyway. I've gone with uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum. A bit like Henderson, uh, not just the stats. You know, he's only got three goals this season. So, you know, you look at that, you go for a midfielder, you're thinking, well, that's not great. But if you look at Wijnaldum, he's an absolute engine. You ask Jürgen Klopp, actually. In a recent interview, Jürgen Klopp came out and said, it was asked to him, if there's a player in your team who could become a manager, who would it be? Uh, Klopp hesitated and then in the end went for, he said, if, if Genie wanted it, he could do it. So it just shows the intelligence of the man. And on the pitch, you know, you saw the Barcelona semi-final last season, it transformed the game for us and obviously came, came on and scored two goals. Without him, we lose balance in the midfield and organisation. Again, a bit like Henderson. You know, those two players, without them, we do struggle. And I think we've obviously, I know we've only lost one and drawn one in the league, but we've we've, we've looked a lot less weaker without him or uh, Henderson. So for us, one of them, an underappreciated player, but I'd like to get him out there and get him a bit more recognition. So why now? 
And another player we've gone for is Scott McTominay from Manchester United. I think this is one that might shock a few people, but for me this season, he's stepped up hugely coming from the youth system. He's sort of that leader on the pitch they haven't had in years. Uh, honestly, just like you said, a bit, he's only got four goals and one assist, but what he actually also brings to the game is 40 tackles, 131 recoveries, 153 duels won. He's that player in the middle who ain't afraid to get dirty and get down to business. Yeah, Scott McTominay, I think, has been one of the outstanding performers uh, for Manchester United this season. They've not, I mean, they've had a couple. I mean, Harry Maguire's, he's brought in from Leicester for 80 or 5 or 80 million it was. He's been okay, I'll be honest with you. Um, Aaron Bissaka has had a good season. But for me, Scott McTominay might even be, along with Fred, has had a good season, or Rashford even. He's probably one of our their best players. You know, he's got he's got that bit of nastiness about him, which Man United are probably lacked in that midfield. Um, and he, you know, like we both agreed, for me, he he we both agreed he deserves to be in there. And for the right midfield, um, we went for Adama Traore, I believe. Now again, it's the best season in his career. You know, eleven goals and assists, nine more than he's ever achieved in the league. Uh, he found the final product in this game. And in my personal opinion, you know, he's he's the best dribble on the ball. I think he's actually better than Zaha. He's got 6.3 successful dribbles per game. Zaha's got 1.5 more, uh, less than him. I think it's 4.8. Burnley, just to compare that, Burnley as a team have 6.8 dribbles a game. He averages 6.3 a game by himself. A fantastic player. And personally, I take him to Liverpool. So, yeah, Adama Traore is our honourable mention for the right midfield role. OK, so at left midfield, we have Marcus Rashford this season. Obviously, he's been out injured for a while, but there is no doubt in the ability he was having this year beforehand. He only played 22 appearances this season so far, but he's got 14 goals and four assists. So, it's 18 involvements in all games. So, it's nearly averaging a a goal or assist a game. He's stepped up massively compared to other years, and he's finally starting to show really that, ability he had when he first broke through those seasons ago he's now starting to look like that player everyone knows he can be yeah um, like we said we agree with him I think we wanted to get Rashford in that team and we didn't want we wanted to leave a striker position who we'll get to for the honourable mention but Rashford yeah before his injury Man United were not flying but you know what he had that the finishing touch he kind of almost carried the team at a certain stage of the season um, and he does fill that left midfield role um, it's a pity he obviously got injured but like I say, if the games restart now and whatnot, potentially he, he, they'd have him fit again. And that's a massive boost to Man United. So, yeah, Marcus Rashford as the left midfielder. As the number 10 is the honourable mention, who's just missed out in my actual team, is Mason Mount. It's his first season in the league where he's obviously properly played in the Premier League. And he's got 10 goals and assists. That's actually one more than James Madison. And he's only bettered by Jack Grealish, who actually made my team, amongst English midfielders. Um, he's got, you know, he's he's only 21, so he's got many years ahead of him, and, and he's got an 85% pass completion, which is quite good. Um, for me, if, even if we watch our Chelsea play, he's a guy who's got a lot of, um, you know, he's, he's got so much determination, but he's got that hunger. If you see the way he tracks down balls, his ability, his technical ability on the ball is, is phenomenal. And I think with him, with Tammy ahead of him, uh, he's a fantastic player. And he's a player for me, who we both, like I said, we've agreed on as the honourable mention. Um, makes that number 10. 100% I couldn't disagree with Mel now. I think he's had a phenomenal season and a lot more to come. Um, we go on to our striker now, like Adil mentioned, we wanted to try and make sure we could fit him in because I think Danny Ings, who we've gone for, has had 
such an amazing season. It's a bit of a, a comeback for him. Obviously, with all the downfalls he had at Liverpool after that move, he's now had that chance at Southampton where he's sort of made a name himself. And he's the main man there. 15 goals this season. I think he's the fourth highest in the league, I believe. So that just shows. And I think without him this season, Southampton would be gone. Very similar to how Grealish is at Aston Villa. Without him, there was no hope of them surviving this season. Yeah, totally agree with you on that one. Danny Ying's a player, like you said, 15 goals. Um, a point to prove almost coming to Southampton and something that didn't really work at Liverpool. I'm chuffed a bit for him. You know, an ex-Liverpool player who never really complained or never really, you know, kicked up a fuss or anything. Really happy to see him doing well. Um, and yeah, he's our honourable mention of a striker. Uh, and now we'll just touch on our manager, who we both actually agreed on and we'll both just touch on a little bit. The honourable mention, we nearly went for Nuno Espirito Santo. We obviously can't go for Wilder or Klopp because we both picked them. It wasn't Espirito Santo. We in the end went for Brendan Rodgers. He obviously came so close to win the title with Liverpool back in 40. Um, he went to Celtic and won everything he could there. And to be honest, I mean, let's be honest, um, it's hard not to go to Celtic. I know Rangers are kind of doing well again now, but Celtic are most of the time are going to win that title now. So it's maybe not such a achievement as people think it is. But then he, he had unfinished business in the Premier League. And coming back to Leicester, you know, they're third in the league. And, you know, they've got the third best goal difference in the league. You know, so they've conceded the third, third least amount of goals. And they've scored the third most goals. Um, you know, and again, if you see Spurs, Man United, like I said earlier, the teams they're above, it is, it's an achievement in itself. He's got the great players in the team, but they're on course for the Champions League. And for me, Brendan Rodgers is our honourable manager of the of the year. And Charles, I'll just let you touch on that as well. A little like bit. you say now, I think when he obviously had that such a close season with you guys, I think when he went to Celtic, I think he's matured a lot. I think he learned a lot while he's there. Obviously, you're going to get success at Celtic. But I think it was a treble treble he achieved with them in their records there. What he done for them, he took them to that next level. And I think he learned a lot while he's there. And I think he's made Leicester probably a better side they are now than when they won the league. There's no doubt in what that side had. But if you watch the way they play football now, it's not, he says, the long ball. They actually are such a good technical side as well. When they played us, I watched the game and they beat us. They outplayed us for 90 minutes. We couldn't even get close to them. So he has improved the massively. And I think they've got such a good long way to go. I actually agree with you on that. Yeah, again, I'll just have a little bit on that. I think Leicester are a better team than their title-winning team. So, yeah, totally agree. I think they... He's improved the Leicester team, and that's the main thing for Leicester. It's that steady progress. And as long as they can keep the core of the team, obviously there's link with Madison potentially leaving. But as long as they can keep, like I say, the core and add maybe one or two, they can very well do a top four challenge again next season. And why not? Um, so, yeah, Rogers for me, is the honourable mention. Um, and I think now we'll just quickly touch on um, our potential player of the year, who we've both actually agreed with on this. Um, we've gone with Sadio Mane. Charles, I'll just let you touch on him and then I'll touch a bit on him as well. Uh, so I think Sadio Mane is the player of the season, just due to the fact if you look at the impact he's had this year for Liverpool, he's stepped up massively. Every game I've seen him play, he's so crucial. He's always looking for the ball, he's always driving forward. There's just that something about when you watch him play. And he's got that such a nice personality about him as a footballer. He's so humble. That just draws people into him. And I think... 
there's only so much further he can keep going. And obviously you've seen a lot of reports of him being linked with the Real Madrid's, etc. Now he's finally starting to get that success and that reputation he deserves. And I think with Salah dropping off, oh, you can't even say dropping off, but not having that success as such this year, Mane's just slowly crept in and has now become that main man. Yeah, like I said, I'll just touch on Sadio Mane. I think what you said there was so crucial. It's his personality. I mean, on the pitch, for me, again, I'm a Liverpool fan, so, you know, you can kind of discredit it a little bit. For me, he's the best winger in the world right now in terms of form-wise. Um, and I think he's going to actually win the player of the year. If you look at, yeah, like you said, the importance, we obviously touched on him because we're both included in our team of the years. Um, it's his personality as well. If you see it off the pitch, you know, again, I know this shouldn't mean so much because he's a football at the end of the day, but he's always in the mosque. You know, he's a devout Muslim. He's always doing charities. He's making mosques and wells and, you know, setting up charity funds back in, in his home country in Senegal. Um, and he's, a, he's an actually a, a member and a, a, a person that visits his mosque very often. Um, and people really like him. He's a really humble kind of guy. You know, you don't really see so much bad prosperity in the, in the um, media for Sadio Mane. He does get the recognition now. And like you said, being linked with Real Madrid, um, yeah, just shows that he's got that recognition. Out of our front three, personally, he's the player that I'd least want to lose. Um, I absolutely love him to bits. Um, and for me, yeah, like we both have agreed on that. Um, Sadio Mane, who I hope uh, will win the player of the year, and I think will. And for us, is our player of the year to conclude, Matthew? Like you were saying, I think he'll be the hardest person to replace in your front three. Out of any of them, that'll be it. So like you said there, that concludes our team of the season, manager of the, our teams and honourable mentions. So thank you everyone for listening. And just to touch on it, next episode, which is coming out, we're going to get filmed. It's going to be UFC and boxing. We're going to switch it up a little bit, bring in some other sports, some other opinions. So if any of you guys have any suggestions you'd like to hear us talk about, please let us know on our social medias, which will all be linked below. Uh, so thank you very much and see you next time.